Our minds are so powerful that what we focus on reverberates through every aspect of our lives. So why not see what happens when we put our attention on all the good things people are doing? Join me for the good with Teresa G as we start a ripple effect by focusing on all the greatness in the world. Keen Sperry is the owner and photographer for Eye in the Sky Photography. His captures in nature grab my attention because of the contrast. The contrast is spellbinding. Then you add in Keen's vocal interpretations of his photography, which encompasses such a depth of soul and healing that I had to introduce him to all of you guys. I'm so excited you're here, Keen. This has just been, it's been fascinating how I've just wanted to have this conversation with you and all sorts of things that have happened to sort of like have us postpone and all these things. But here we are today. Welcome. Yeah, well, thank you, Teresa. And and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the uh, container of presence. It's sort of, we have a, we have quite the background actually, because Keen was our wedding photographer 20 years. We're coming up on 20 years ago. I remember we couldn't even, we couldn't afford a photographer. So that was one of your first weddings. I think you took photos of, That was, uh, I think that was like uh, number two wedding of my, of my career. And, uh, and then it ended up being through my whole career. I think I ended up shooting over 300 plus weddings, which gave me the opportunity to really, you know, face all different lighting situations, all different uh, scenarios with people and dynamics and basically the palette of anything goes. And so that really taught me to um, really be in the uh, in the moment, not taught me, but reminded me that that all exists is beautiful. And there's no such thing as a perfect photograph, but there is a perfect moment. And so that's when I started getting fascinated with the moments and the light. And uh, yeah, I, I now with weddings, I don't really shoot them other than if something really resonates and, and it was meant to be, I will. But uh, now my focus is on um, taking that knowing and taking that into the fine art world and uh, with photographing um, space and light and uh, the connection to our human heart. Well, yeah, I mean, now you're a big wig. And, you know, in the photography, like his photography. So I can't wait. We're going to, we'll put up some of his photography for you. But I would say that I saw, I was, I was on like some social media thing and he, Keen was, I'll go back to our history, but I just want to let you guys know this. So Keen was doing a talk about black and white, about his black and white photography and nature. And what happened is I just basically was completely, I'll send, I'll put the link up for this talk he did but his words and the visuals were like poetry with these wonderful visuals and quite outstanding and so where do you think that you got that where you can also take these amazing pictures and then create the photography or create the poetry that is somewhat of a spiritual experience for the people watching you and listening to you Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, the way I, when I photographed people traveling around the world, um, photographing these, you know, it turned out being kind of these big weddings, you know, from like kind of big political or big celebrity weddings or kind of big 
big events, right? You know, everybody would, you know, kind of arrive at the location, whether it be in Italy or Manhattan or, you know, in the Sonoma wine country in California, I would show up and I was able to just kind of be this um, observer. And then what I came to terms with is like, wow, we are just fascinating human beings. We we are truly just, I, I put myself in the role of just being the observer and not judging and not placing, you know, these constructs on people. And truly the work just came alive because I was just seeing things as they were rather than my interpretation and, you know, indoctrination of what I was told they were. And uh, that was really fascinating for me to, to move into. And then what I, you know, from wedding to wedding, I was traveling around and I was getting these, all these big shoots. I was getting all these accolades and the business was just flowing out. And one, one event would turn into another shoot and I travel here. And what I found in my, um, uh, one night I was walking through in uh, Portland, Oregon on a late night and it just hit me like a ton of bricks uh, of this massive grief and sadness. And what I realized is I had been hiding from myself the intimacy, which is into me, I see, of my true yearning was to be seen. And I was not fully seeing myself. I was uh, somewhat working through the accolades and all the different um, validations from the external. And uh, I wasn't, I was, wasn't really showing my heart and my vulnerability and my authenticity, which what I realized, Teresa, was that to me is the real, real pandemic is there is a deep fear of intimacy within males, in our society, in our world, because we were never really taught or created a container to really feel the expression, to feel the rage, to feel the sadness, to feel the actual uh, joy. And um, that's when I started doing some deep work on myself for like three to five years. And through that process manifested the, uh, I, I put my primal energy this this creative force into my work in a real personal level it wasn't no I no longer was working for a client a commercial client a wedding a, you know a big production uh, I started to go inward and I wasn't working for anybody other than I had I had a message to deliver that was that was uh, from source from something higher from just the egoic mind of me and that's where the works just started coming alive. It actually started coming to me. I, I was actually not forcing anything. I was just moving more and more into my power. And the way I moved into power was, and I continue, it's a continued process. It's not like a, an end game of evolution, but uh, was to really be vulnerable with myself and be raw with myself and let myself kind of go there, which was new. I, you know, it's kind of like had to reprogram myself to, to go there. And I'm still uh, seeing myself being programmed and I'm on autopilot. And then I have to kind of go back. So when I go into a shoot now, I, you know, do a meditation, kind of some breathing, and I kind of tap into the energy of everything and kind of move out of my mind. And then uh, what I find is everything just kind of is shown to me. And it's shown to me to 
to give to um, the viewers resonate with something with them. Because my my biggest intention with my work is to ignite the human heart and remembering that we are not separate to nature, but one with nature. I love that. There's there's just so many things there um, that I I want to dive deeper into. And the first one is the intimacy thing. I love that into me. I see. Is that what you said? Mm. Yeah. And I. I do, I agree that it's a male's, you know, it is a sort of a, I agree that it is a pandemic, but I would say that it's, you know, maybe, you know, all, you know, males and females are experiencing that, but, oh yeah, but I can see that as, you know, with males, it might be more of a prominent thing. Mm-hmm. So this process of delving deep and sort of the sadness and going into that, what is that? What did that look like? Well, it, it, uh, when I first started going through it, I, I actually didn't really have access to my deep, deep sadness to the, to the grieving. So I actually was, uh, had a lot of rage and a lot of anger. And, um, I worked with some, uh, some different people in kind of the energy world, uh, cause the, the talking and the counseling wasn't really doing it for me. I, the, the the words I needed something deeper so I started to kind of seek out people and seek out knowledge and so what I found is I found this kind of anger I had and and behind the anger was this deep sadness I worked with this one woman who um, was kind of working with my body and she had my you know she had me kind of working through the anger and the rage and I was clenching my fist and moving the energy and then I mean, she got me, you know, helped me get me to a point of full maximum because um, the reason why I was so afraid to really let my rage out is because in society, it's, it's, it's kind of suppressed as soon as a, a person or particularly males like have this kind of anger, this rage that needs to be released and it doesn't have to be projected on others. It's, it's their own, you know, take responsibility. It's their energy. And it, well, I released it behind it was uh oh the deepest sadness I went down into a kind of fetal position like a baby and I'd never cried like that probably until I was you know two years one one or two years old it was maybe the last time I had tears like that and they just kind of there were these big tears that came out of my eyes and and I felt so much lighter and and after that was kind of a trajectory shift into the I was now aware of and more connected to, to me and my, and, 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 and I wasn't putting blame or, or shame on anybody else for my energy. I, I, at that point, I took a trajectory shift to own everything that's happened to me and everything that is happening to me. And that put me into a true power position. Um, Not what we were told or sold in society of being power to be, you know, dominant and, somehow kind of forceful there, there's you know power and force or could the complete office opposite and so I still work through that process because uh it's it's an ongoing thing but with that with those tears that I accessed I was able to get softer and lighter and more open to my create creativity which the, you know now I, I believe can be felt through the work there's there's something deeper there well congratulations for doing that work and I do, I absolutely agree with you. I, I sometimes wonder, I think women and men handle the whole experience differently. 
but I think we're all sort of going through that. And I also, for, you know, my listeners, um, that are, are doing the rewiring process. I honestly do believe illness comes sort of from the same place where you often sometimes where we're not really, we're, we're unattached from our spiritual self or the, the depths of what's going on in life and experiencing the real emotions. Um, at least that's how it's been for me. Mm-hmm. So have you always felt as though photography, you were a vessel, a photog- you know, you're, you are a vessel when you're taking pictures or was that sort of awakened in you after that experience? Um, I, I've always felt like I, I was a vessel through my visual experience. I was able to photograph and, and create these visual expressions, which was a reminder of how deep and uh how deep of love everybody has in their heart so i i i i always knew that the 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 difference was it was it was working great like it was you know people were feeling the feeling the work there was something deeper than just oh that's a pretty photograph oh that looks nice uh there was something resonating there where i really jumped kind of my own limiting beliefs and really expanded is what was when I entered into my own intimacy, my own depth. And, and I'd, I'd always kind of been playing on the fringes, but uh, you know, to just be fully humbled and then realize that my pain is our pain. And, and I could feel, and I was able to kind of feel this, like really on a level of this, like kind of deep, trauma and deep pain we've we've all been suppressed to and it's actually not even who we are it's 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 like we're we're in a deep hypnosis of separation and that we're not enough and what we're not worthy of love and so we may ask ourselves how do we even get there because we are love and we are the light it's because there's this dark energy and i photograph it with my uh you know with my visuals there's the darkness is part of us. So we sit there and we say, oh, it's this political figure or it's this party or it's that person. Or if it wasn't for this, then I wouldn't feel that. It's in our deep psyche and it's, it's in a collective. So what does, uh, what does, what, what do we need to do? We, we need to, we need to reveal it so we can heal it. And so we need to look at the darkness and that's an invitation to kind of look at your own shadow and shine some light on it because your heart is, has a, a, all the light and, and you are the light. So, but if we continue to just ignore and, and think that there's, you know, it's all, all love and light and there's no, there's no darkness. Well, we're kind of, you know, that, that term spiritually bypassing a part of us, which, which is, so if you look at some of the work, it's like these deep, deep blacks, and then there'll be like this bright, bright white, and the eye always wants to go to the brightest spot. So if you look at any of the body of work and squint your eyes, like you're going kind of blind, and uh, you can't really uh, uh, make out what it is, notice where your eye goes, your eye will go to the, to the, to the light. So I think it's just kind of this awareness for us, for us all, for the invitation now, we're all being invited to, to reveal the kind of collective and internal shadow 
and then trust ourselves to make decisions, trust ourselves to make the next step. And there's no answer outside of you. Just go inward and that will always be, you know, your, your intuitive answer it will always be the truth. And so, yeah, we're, we've never been in a time where so many people are feeling the effects. It's always been there, but now it's come out of the surface and can't be ignored. And so it's really the most beautiful time to be alive is right now. So is this the root of what inspires you to capture in black and white? Or when did you start taking photos in black and white? Well, I started taking photographs. I had a dark room and I was printing black and white pieces in uh, Missoula at age 22, 21, 22. And so I've always studied the monochromatic tonalities of just light. So what happens with the monochromatic, just the gray tones and the white and the black is, is now we're just working with light. We're, we're, not, we're not working with color. And so I, I'm drawn to that because it, it brings in, you know, color is beautiful. Color actually has all these different emotional responses to all different people. Like I may see red and see something and feel something totally different than what you may feel when you see red you know and so uh i wanted to kind of bring it just into the pure essence of light for the remembering of something within so yeah i've always i've always been drawn to to black and white and uh so yeah now the body of work is all all uh, black and white and um all the shades of gray between wow so what an evolution um this journey has gone you know, your journey has gone on with it first, just looking at the black and white and the light, and then taking it to a whole spiritual level of understanding or perception. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like what came first. And, um, I, I just think it's, uh, it's all interconnected. And so it's kind of this, uh, even what I speak of, of the, if, if I was to, to say the root of suffering in, in one sentence is, uh, is the root of suffering is, to, to, is the hypnosis that we're separate. So no, nothing's separate. And there's, there, in, in my perspective, there is no beginning or end. It's all just a continuous flow of the now. And there's been a lot of philosophers and a lot of teachers and a lot of artists and a lot of, you know, mothers and fathers and uh, community members um, speak of this, and I think because we all know in our in our deepest gut that uh, we all yearn to feel connected. We all yearn to be, to feel to feel seen, and we all yearn to be heard, and and you know ultimately we all we all yearn to be loved. And I really appreciate how you um, are able to capture wildlife and nature and bring up this discussion. And it, again, it reiterates the idea that we're all connected. So when you're capturing wildlife and nature and you're able to integrate these ideas of black and white, has that always been a passion of yours to do that with the nature and animals? Or is that a, that a newer adventure? Um, I've always been uh, connected to nature. And uh, what I found through photographing nature is the what was what kind of drew me in was the way that animals migrate and they actually kind of breathe together and move together without actually uh, 
the way the elk will move up the hill in the pack of like three to 500, they're actually the one at the end and the one at the bottom are communicating and they're actually moving in a kind of a fluid flow, just like I was, was noticing how the river flows and it's, it's without strain. It's, it's always with the least resistance. And so I was like, wow, that, that, that's who we are. You know, we, we, we actually, we've just been programmed to think we need to resist, resist, resist. Uh, the egoic mind wants to force, force, force. And actually, if we break all those barriers down, we, we are these animals that actually want to cohesively move together and, and, uh, and be as one. I mean, and so, yeah, I think what happened as I was photographing the landscapes and the way the rivers flow and seeing these patterns with the way the, the way the river bends and the way the snow melts is actually the same as the way our veins move through our body if you look down at our vein at some of your veins and the way they move they actually have parallels to way the way the river and the way the snow melts and brings out the earth and so um it really was encompassing this like instead of all these words it was just this kind of like when people look at the work it's this knowing that i am not separate from from source i am not separate from from life uh, i am life I, I am nature. And so, you know, these animals in Yellowstone National Park, where I photograph uh, mostly, are just reminders of that. And there's one piece in particular, if, if you wanted to kind of show it after the podcast, is this piece uh, called Life 7. And it's what I was just speaking of, the way this river has flown and, and eroded and and this, the way the snow is melting is a is a complete parallel of the hu human blood vessel pumping through our veins uh, of this this heartbeat, this life, this energy that's constantly going. So these photographs and these pieces, really, just without saying anything, uh, remind us that we're connected, all connected. See, guys, this is why we have him on. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing and it all makes sense to me. So as a lover of nature, um, I'd never looked in, at these analogies or thought about it this way, but it all completely makes sense. And I just love hearing you talk about it. Another interesting and cool thing I love when you talk about how you always take pictures and transitions in nature. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of talk, talk to let everyone know? or talk to us about that because I just love when you talk about that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, you know, kind of the initial fear of like a transition, a change, a shift is, Oh, fight, flight, or freeze, you know? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to transition. I don't want to move, you know, I don't want to shift in. And, uh, but what I found through, um, uh, with my camera and, and just being the observer is all the beauty is in the transitions all like is, is, there's beauty at every moment of course but when things are shifting um, from the storm and the dark and the rain and the mud and the and the and the snow and the 
and the wind and everything's moving around and the animals are kind of hunkering down. Well, the light is just magnifying through like a, like a, like a magnified tool through the darkest hole and creating this dynamic light that to me, I keep on going back to it when I kind of close my eyes at night, it just moves into this like infinite space. And so what I found with the storms and the transitions is, uh, is yeah, I really like when I like to move into the, into the work. So if it's like a blue sky kind of calm day you know it's pretty you know everybody's walking outside walking their dog the kids are out it's beautiful you know the very calming but uh i find with the the pieces that resonate the most is when the storm is coming and going and uh the in-between is is where we feel it so um there's a piece emergence one that kind of speaks of this where I'm shooting down and uh, there's this body of mass of land. And maybe you can show this piece. It's moving out of the water. It's kind of like, and then there's a sun reflection. It just, the storm had just moved in and out. And there was this kind of piercing light on this, on this massive land. And it actually kind of, to me, reflects the body the um, material world of the manifestation and if you look at it, it's very organic and feminine and soft the way the arm moves out to the island and the way the star or the sun reflects off this dark water and uh, I call this piece the emergence one and it's the way we're kind of moving we're always moving into something new it's always a evolution. Even from when we've started this conversation, we have shifted and we're evolving and we're expanding. And so it's the work I want to remind is there's no doom and gloom. Everything is actually perfectly orchestrated. And this emergence of something new is it's hard to see it because we've never seen it. We've never felt it. Right. So if we try to reflect back on, oh, this is what it felt like back then. Well, that's a, another construct, another trap. This is something new. And so as we continue to move into this new way of being, kind of looking at ourselves and looking at the collective society, uh, we need to know that we actually don't know what it's going to look like, but we have to trust more of we are continuing to expand so we have to trust that it's happening for us and not to us and so the emergence series is just kind of beginning because that was manifested from kind of this collective kind of fear-based message or narrative which is not true at all i mean we're there's there's no fear we we are love and there's no division we are unity and there's no scarcity. We are abundance. So it's kind of flipping the script. Let's move into uh, love, unity, and abundance and move kind of away from this deep hypnosis of fear, separation, division, and scarcity because it's not who we are. Um, it's just a program in our mind. And uh, so I choose, even as hard as it is, I mean, I 
the reason how I can choose is I've seen and felt this energy. It's a real energy. It's, it's, it's like a parasite. It's trying to extract conscious. I mean, it's trying to extract the heart that we're divided and we're separate. You know, I choose to see it, not ignore it. And I choose to not be part of any of this narrative this this whole mainstream narrative that's built on those three pillars of fear division and scarcity um i will not be part of it even if i'm the only one so i'm not waiting for anybody to come along with me um i'm doing it on my own and it has not been easy Teresa, it has not been easy you know even with, amongst my own family and friends and it seems to be like really self-centered, self-righteous, but my heart is like, I can't be part of this narrative anymore. And it's been lifetimes and lifetimes. This is not something new that just came about through the, the new narrative. It's just amplifying that uh, we are being reminded that there's nothing outside of you that's going to give you the answer. So there's not more data more sources you are the source you are the data follow that and here's the hardest part because it's all built on shame and guilt you have to move past shame and guilt and you have to move on your own even if you look behind and nobody's following because eventually if you move another will be inspired to hey i'm gonna move and there's no doctrine there's no there's no way. It's just following your heart. Yeah. So here we are at, at a point in, uh, where you can't continue to pretend like it's just going to go away if you keep on doing the thing you have to do to make other people feel safe. Your job is not to make anyone feel safe. Your job is to feel the safety with your own egoic self follow your heart, know that you're whole and complete. And with that safety and knowing you are healing others around you, but your job is not to be put into shame and guilt. Like I need to do this for my daughter. I need to do this for my grandma. I need to do this for others. That's where they're, that is the energy. It's trying to trap you into thinking something now is outside of you and it's very very high level psychosis hypnosis you know i think all of this is just so important with everything in life so the idea like not even going into like polit politics or anything the yeah. idea that the answer is within ourselves so a large mm -hmm. a part of my community um that listens to the show has done rewiring it's called where we rewire our brains for health. So the biggest concept about that is that most people come in and we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars looking outside of ourselves to heal. And, you know, for good reason, because your body's shutting down and you want to talk to a doctor, you want to get a doctor's insight, your, your body's not working. And of course, there's no judgment there at all. Um, and so these long, long journeys of looking outside of ourselves, right? And then all of a sudden we're directed to actually um, rewiring our own, our brains by ourselves, doing this by ourselves, for ourselves. And it has consistently 
brought such amazing healing results. So I think that's like to compare Mm -hmm. what you're saying Mm -hmm. to that. It's like universal that the answers are when, when I hear you say that to me, it just is like intuitively, I think, yes, the answers are always within ourselves and that, you know, healing myself from really chronic illness, terrible, terrible illness. Um, I learned that completely because I'd been looking outside of myself for so long Mm -hmm. and I'd been giving the power of all these things, you know, affecting me and being super sensitive to all these things and just essentially giving the power outside of myself. And as soon as I took my power back, everything sort of changed around me. So, and, and a part of that is looking at, you know, do I do this for myself every day now? It's more of like, am I doing this for myself or am I doing this because I feel obligated or that I should, because that pathway um, Mm -hmm. is scientifically proven now. And we just, I just recorded a podcast with a, a naturopathic doctor who was talking about this, this, the pathway of doing for others and disregarding what you need is a pathway to illness. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, well, it's always happening for you, right? So it's like, you're going the universe, whatever source or whatever term you want to call it is, is always happening for you. So even when you were speaking of this illnesses or these, um, you know, with your body um, that you were going through, it was, it was always for you to circle back. So yeah, if you kind of, kind of go outside yourself and you're like, oh, I'll do this for the other, you're actually going away from your connection to source, which is kind of interesting because in society it can be as like, well, they're being very selfish, you know? Um, but you know what I was, I like to use the analogy, you know, what do they say when you're you know, going to go down in a, in a, in a, in a plane, right? You're going to take your oxygen mass. You're going to get fully, fully, um, um, centered, and then you're going to be able to help others. But if you immediately go into like, you're going to give your child oxygen mass and you're kind of like barely have enough oxygen to go, well, you're, you're of no service to anybody. So it's always like wrapping back around with like source yourself. So you can get that bridge that was, that was broken to that kind of divine source energy, whatever, you know, it goes, it's more esoteric. It's not based on a religion, but this kind of like this kind of truth of knowing, like this is beyond myself. This is something deeper. And then you can actually be of service to other, but if you're kind of barely holding on and, and uh, getting by and you're like, I'm just going to do this for her and him and them. And uh, yeah, it's the, the universe will give it right back to you. They'll give you pain or I mean, the universe will give you something where you're like, wait, how, how did I get, how did I manifest more pain? You know, it's interesting. It's, and it is interesting because a lot of the things you've talked about this whole time, I'm like, you know, it's, it's analogies for a lot of what the human journey is, right? So mm-hmm. it's like everyone has, it might show up in different ways for everyone, but I think there's a theme. And when you were saying that, you know, the true epidemic is not being connected to source. Is that what, is that how you said it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have to say that illness, I, I never need to experience illness again to advance spiritually or emotionally. I constantly tell the universe that, but it did take, that was my process of just letting go of all mm. like going down. It made me face myself in a way that I'd never faced myself. And it sort of brought me back to my 
the root of my essence, right? Mm -hmm. So, because when you can't move or you can't walk and you can't, you know, nothing, you can't do anything that other people are doing on the daily, Mm -hmm. you're going within. Mm -hmm. Right. So I want to talk to you about this idea of healing. And we've talked about it before. The healing of humanity. And you talk about three things that you believe is part of the healing process. You remember us talking about that? Yeah, I feel like the pillars or the foundation of that healing is 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 done through. Um, I mean, there's so many. When when I say these three pillars is is uh, is done through multifaceted, right? It's multidimensional. It's infinite. But I feel like the pillars are this heart, uh, art, and nature. So getting connected to those three, you know, the heart. The heart is really that. You know, really feeling everything that's arising and not trying to suppress it feel it see it name it however you want to you know do it and then let it go and it will and it will come and go and come and go and come and go i mean that's why you're here to have this human being experience and through the art i even think like art has kind of been constructed as like oh you're such an artist Uh, well actually the way i see every single person is this living expression of art and every single person has a different way of expressing that art you know uh through words through poetry through through expression of dance and movement it may just be the way somebody moves you're like wow i feel that authenticity i feel that expression it's 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 one of a kind you know uh through through painting through through music through i mean there there is no end to art you know that's so it's like and and it's it's actually the the younger whatever we can kind of like open up the palette of the art and let kids and let people kind of express them without being judged and that's the big one is the judgment is uh so deep the density is so deep but we're moving out of that so it's going to be easier for people to kind of be expression of living art and then uh, nature, you know, and then I go into the nature because, you know, nature is who we are. We're, we're not separate from nature. And so the more time you can get exposed to just being in nature, you can move into that stillness and silence and hear the creek and hear the birds and even just hear the silence. And, and that's not something that, is taught it's like a remembering and it's challenging in the world we live in that's being faced with such a grab on attention because it's really the currency is attention right so if we were to think about currency currency would be what is the greatest currency would be attention awareness i mean we could sit around and we could put attention and awareness on a plant and a plant will grow larger than if we were not there. So, I mean, that's been studied in, you know, all different elements. So what are we faced with right now is kind of this like superficial kind of AI, almost transhumanism type of like grabbing the attention that's based on kind of this really end game of endless kind of like, I'm not enough. It's, it's being programmed in the mind. I need to continue to purchase or buy or be like somebody else and and it's at an all-time high because it's 
you got seven-year-olds with these, you know, devices and they're just being like pushed into this algorithm of uh, this, you know, indoctrination. When I speak of this, it's not a fear standpoint, but like, let's look at it. Let's yeah, not an awareness, it, you know? an awareness, right? Yeah. Let's be aware yeah. and awake. And it's part of our consciousness. Like it's not separate. It's not like, oh yeah, remove all this, but you know, who's in charge? Is it the soul or the ego? Cause the, the ego will do anything it can to just more, 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 more. And so I feel, yeah, I feel like we're, you know, our greatest gift we can give is our full presence, our full attention, our full awareness to yourself and other. And so I photograph this series called Significant Other. And uh, the baseline of it is that we're always in relation. We're always in relation. We're always in relation to self and other. And that other may be another person, that other may be a tree, that other may be a bird. We're kind of always in this dynamic of other. So the significant other is, is a series of two in nature that reminds the heart that we're in relation always right now and through every moment that continues. Well, I can't wait for you guys to see these picture, these series that he's talking about. We will um, post them and I will, we will also uh, do some sound bites that are connected to the pictures and put them on social media. So you can get this whole experience because as you can tell, it's pretty phenomenal. So every time we have anyone on, I ask him this question, Keen, what is something you do every day that helps you be your very best self? Yeah. And, and that's been, uh, I used to think it was something I had to do. I used to think it had something to do with like the way going outside or, you know, meditating or doing some type of yoga or drinking some type of green juice or whatever to kind of really ignite. But I feel like now I'll start my day. I'll just lay there in bed and I'll just love that part of me that is whatever is arising within me to, to really see it and really feel it. And so that's kind of like our daily kind of like recalibration to just love what arises and love this part of me that, you know, is somewhat trying to hide. And so whatever is happening, I've actually just allowed myself to just be instead of do. So I've kind of eliminated all kind of like doing or I'm supposed to be doing and and uh, what's happened for me being more of a being just sitting and looking out the window for an hour is then actually the doing becomes a little bit more fluid and it just kind of comes to me and I find myself not really working, but just kind of like being one with, with life. And so it's, I don't know if that really describes it in a simple way or uh, but it's kind of abstract I feel like I'm getting more and more abstract with my way I don't really know what I'm doing but I'm actually just moving it more and more into the being I I love that so much because it's just 
you know, that's where we all need to maybe go back to at least a few times a day is just simply being. And so many teachers have said that over history. So I love that. And I just wanted to leave you guys with part of Keen's statement from his website about his photography subjects. The subject isn't the skier, the mountain, the bison, or a recognizable landscape, but the emotional connection the viewer feels as an observer. Whether that be a sense of freedom, of longing, of anger, or of love, the subject is you looking inward. Thank you so much for being here, Keen. Oh, thank you, Teresa. Yeah, it was amazing. I love it. Real, uh, real downloads, real clarity. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, if anybody wants to reach out and send an email, um, you know, after looking at the work, the work is just um, on the website, just Keen Sperry, K-E-N-E-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you're on, you're on uh, Instagram. Right. Yep. Same thing. Just Keen's Ferry. Well, that was such a gift. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate just sitting down soul to soul with you, Keen. And you're always welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. I'm Teresa Gabrielle, and you've been listening to The Good with Teresa G. You can follow The Good with Teresa G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.